grapple man soon may come To ramble, rant, and flap his gums One day when the grapplers scrum He'll talk about the wrestling world He continued his journey with an expedition His old pal dubbed an elite edition Weekly discussions became their call Together they break it down in full we are A-L-I-V-E alive and kicking here on a Saturday morning. Matthew Priest here along with Nick Braxton. We had two AEW shows in the books already this week. We got one more tomorrow, the big one all out. Are you ready to do this, breaking down Dynamite and Rampage? About as ready as I'm ever going to be on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Understandable. It is very early, very bright. And I'm not used to this myself, but um, yeah, it's September. We had two shows in the books in September for AEW, and a third about to happen. And oh, about uh, 36 hours or so, it'll be taking place. But Dynamite from Wednesday night, it kicked off with a, a match that I've been anticipating for a few weeks now, uh, especially after the finish to their first match about a month ago. Um, with FTR taking on Proud and Powerful and Santana and Ortiz. Yeah, and in this match, uh, the inner circle, Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz, do get their victory uh, back from FTR after that uh, unfortunate incident at Fight for the Fallen with Cash Wheeler, which we when we spoke about, once we saw that injury, I myself and I think you as well agreed that Proud and Powerful should have won that match they should have called that on the fly and reversed that decision just didn't look very good optics wise uh, to have basically Dax defeat both Proud and Powerful members at the end of that match so Ortiz and Santana picking up the victory over FTR good match still think there's more uh, these teams. It's, I don't know if they're holding back or what, but given these guys, I believe all four of them put on an even better match, pay-per-view-wise, maybe, uh, in the future. But overall, another good match. Yeah, I thought this was a hell of a match. Um, I love the, the tribute to uh, Bobby Eaton there and the Midnight Express with the trunks of FTR there. Uh, that was a beautiful tribute. Um, I really liked the start um, with uh, Dax and Santana. They had a really nice uh, pace that they cut, told a nice little story there, which then escalated to them getting knocked out to the floor, the dive spots, and a little bit brawl around the ring. It all made sense, had good intensity. It matched the program, matched the fight that we were anticipating to bring. Uh, they had a, uh, The FTR had a great blind tag spot, uh, which was like allowed the, the cutoff with the belly to back suplex tag. Very classic old school tag spot. I'm always going to be a sucker for that. JR was on his A game in this match. Uh, this was some of his best work in AEW. He was popping for everything. He might have got the ref screwed up at one point that I saw people burying him online for, but who cares about that? Like JR was just on his A game for sure. Uh, that, that finish from the first match. With the brain buster on Ortiz, they got to it with the exact same spot where Dax hit the baseball slide on Santana, hit the brain buster. So that was a good false finish. I really like that. Problem Powerful had their their tag team stuff looked, their timing was impeccable. They had a nice little uh, 
I don't know what the hell you call it for a finish. Nice little combination of moves. And it was like a reverse hip toss flapjack type of deal. I don't even know how the hell you describe it, but it was an impressive win. It wasn't their normal drive-by finish that they've been using. It was something I've never seen them use before. They might have used it in, in Impact before that I just never saw. But real good false finishes here. That finish by Prime Powerful was excellent. They even used the the big rig false finish, which which had Santana come off the top. Uh knocking Dax into the pile, and that was a very rare out-of-position by Dax after they hit the big ring. He was rolling out of the ring and then realized, oh, shit, i got to get up and get in position um, for this spot. But really good. I thought it was a hell of a match. Um, and that much more than that. I thought both teams looked really good. I'm happy they opened the show with this, and they gave them you know, about 12 to 13 minutes in the ring to tell their story and do their thing. Yeah, it was a... Uh... About thirteen and a half minute match, good match. We, you know, you alluded to uh, FTR and the Midnight Express uh, with the trunks there. We also got, you know, we've seen it. I want to say twice before with Proud and Powerful, the the Dead Presidents makeup. So yes, that gets put on that we're gonna have heck of a match. Yeah, yeah, they they brought it for sure. Um, then we went to a teaser for CM Punk, and we had a 2.0 with Daniel Garcia promo where they basically threatened they were going to take Darby Allen out of All Out. Yep. Simple, straight to the point. Daniel Garcia is going to be taking on Darby Allen on Rampage. Good to see more guys getting TV time. These 2.0, the show, and Daniel Garcia. You know, three three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Dave was old Matthew was like, Why are these guys not so much two point but Daniel Garcia, why are they getting all this time? Well they've been signed over this last month period and you know, Darby and Daniel Garcia will be the main event and Rampage we go on to talk about it. And guess what? Daniel Garcia has headlined more rampages than anybody else. <laughs> Yeah, it's in Chicago. Both of them in Chicago. He he draws the house, man. Dale Garcia has had just it is he and he's an excellent wrestler. I don't think anything away from him. Two point great on the stick. I mean, these guys have maximized their opportunities and they're making the most of it. And they've got signed to your point and like they're they're doing things that guys who've been on the roster for years weren't capable of of doing, especially two point Um those guys have always thought had a lot. They're always missing a little something. But I think now they've got now that they got released from NXT, they got that little bit of a chip on the shoulder. They were able to to probably pick up a few tips of the trade when they were working down there. But now they're on this is the best they've ever they've ever been. And I I'm all I'm okay, hey, they're doing a good job. Yeah, they're definitely hitting their stride right now. Definitely. Uh so then we go to the ring. We got Jim Ross. Am I missing something? Or did this go over? That, okay. Uh, no. All right, yes, yeah, so we go to JR in the ring. He tells a a real cool story about his wife and uh how she talked about their cat being the cat of personality. He brings out CM Punk uh, in Chicago, always going to be over a huge ovation, you know, and great punk promo here. He promises uh go he he started making promises that he was going to do, and it was very reminiscent when he came into ECW 15 years ago. A very classic type of punk promo. A lot of callbacks here within his promo, which I, I, I really appreciated. Um, another 
good performance by him, and then 2.0 attacks. Um, I don't know if you want me to keep going. You want any feedback that you want to chip in here? No, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia down for the attack, and they're really laying it in on Punk. Yeah, and one thing I really liked is they were really putting a beat down on him, and Darby's music hit, and in, in wrestling we're so conditioned to see that when somebody's music hits, the guys just stop kicking ass, and they stand up, and they they look around, and they're scared. But they, like, I think Daniel Garcia stood up and was ready to fight, while 2.0 continued to beat the hell out of CM Punk. And those are like the little details that make things so much better. Um, it wasn't three guys stopping kicking ass. No, they were still going to kick his ass, and I liked that. But Darby and Sting come out to make the save. Um, it was like they they had a plan. They kind of, you know, even in this world of professional wrestling, they take out Punk and know, well, Darby's probably going to come down. So they have a plan. 2.0 continues on Punk. Garcia takes out, you know, goes towards Darby. Just, it's smart. It's not... The music turns on and three people stop. So I enjoy that. Yeah, I appreciated that, that that detail. Sting and Darby make the save. Quick little brawl. Everybody gets their shit in, essentially. Darby hits a coffin drop. Sting with the death drop. And then Punk hits a GTS to a thunderous ovation. Um, and then you got a real nice, intense stare down with Punk and Darby Allen. Sting kind of breaks it up. Cuts a little promo that was very, very, very good. A very hot segment here. It was cool seeing Sting and Punk in the ring for the first time in the history of wrestling. Yeah, Sting and Punk for the thunk. That all rhymed. Uh, but who would have thought that Sting and Punk would be in a ring together in 2021? It's crazy. A wild time to be a wrestling fan, for sure. Uh, do you have any other comments, feedback on that before we move along? Oh, I think we talked to Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans. Is that correct? Uh, that is the next match. There's a couple things in between there, though. We had a, a quick video package for Kenny Omega and Christian uh, that looked like it was a bunch of clips from the Countdown show, uh, which put a little hype on that, which would be Friday night after Rampage. Then we had a sit-down with MJF and Tony Schiavone. Uh, Tony, right off the bat, establishes how much he hates MJF. MJF takes his dig at Tony and then cuts a hell of a promo on Jericho. Runs down all of Jericho's accomplishments, really builds Jericho up, and then talks about how great it's going to be to take Jericho out. Comparing him to Muhammad Ali was very good this promo as well. I thought this was an excellent little sit-down segment. It was maybe two minutes, but another. I mean, this show is off to a ferocious start at this point. Pre-taped. This is what a pre-tape should be. It should hit all its marks, and MJ delivered. Production team delivers multiple camera angles during this promo too. Everything just clicked. Very, very well done. Yeah, this, it was, I'm with you there. I loved it. Uh, then we go to Jack Evans and Orange Cassidy. Um, you know, it's always weird when this is, I think big, this came back, came back where Jack Evans is in the ring with Matt Hardy and then Orange Cassidy's making his entrance. And it's always weird when best friends and everybody comes out for the entrance and then they leave, especially knowing that, that Jack Evans has got a group of guys out there with him. Yeah, I don't see the point in going into a fight when you know your opponent has backup and your backup leaves. Oh, especially, <laughs> I mean, come on. 
the HFO and best friends have been going at it for the past month, I want to say. So why why send everybody to the back? Um, yeah, but, this was really strange. And then Matt Hardy really it jumps George Cassidy, right? He's getting in the ring before the bell. Uh, so then gets Matt Hardy thrown out. So you really then the perception is you have Jack Evans and Orange Cassidy one-on-one. Um, yeah, here's my thing. You know, you've already sent best friends to the back. It's like, oh, you already knew Matt Hardy was going to jump OC and get tossed. And then exactly. out. That, that I didn't like. But yeah, whoever the, uh, the coach was for this match definitely should have uh, been a little bit more hands-on with this. This is the first time in Dynamite history, though, that we get a match that ends in pitcher-pitcher break. Yes. Yeah, that was a nice nice thing. Um, go Before that, I thought they were doing a decent job. I mean, Jack Evans, I've never been a fan of Jack Evans, and his stuff is just always so awkward. Um, but they were, they were, they had this intense start to the match, and then they go to some mid, mid-match comedy stuff with this, Standing switch reversal where they probably did 15 to 20 standing switches. And, yeah, the crowd kind of got into it, but it, it totally took me out of the match because you have a jump start. You have an HFO guy who's kicking the shit orange cast. You've got all this intensity, and then five minutes in the match, it's like, oh, right now we're going to do silly ha-ha. It, it, there's a time and place for silly ha-ha, and middle of the match after an intense start is not one of them. But to your point, they go to picture and picture, which – when it went to picture in picture, I almost felt like the way Excalibur, Excalibur pitched it there was, I'm like, that match feels like they weren't ready for it to go to picture in picture or something. Something was going to happen. So this is one of the few times they did something right on commentary. Because uh, I watched the picture in picture. I didn't fast forward through it. I'm like, that was a weird pitched picture in picture. And I saw the finish and went, okay, well, that's why the little subtleties they did. So good job on the commentary team. Because it was a little subtle enough to get me to go, well, I should probably watch this picture in picture. Something's going to happen. And uh, I, I did. I watched it live, and I totally did not watch the picture in picture. <laughs> so coming back. <laughs> I watched the tape, didn't know that the finish was in picture in picture. Uh, it had the chance to fast forward through it, and I, I didn't. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, then you get back. It was it, – what's that pin? What did, how did he pin him? I don't even recall. You know how my notes are this week. I don't have it. Really. Oh yeah, it got. Anyways, it was a flash pin. Um, Second location. It was a. <laughs> it was a attack. Right when we come back from picture in picture, we're back full screen live on Dynamite. Matt Hardy and HFO hit the ring. They put an attack on Orange Cassidy, Jurassic Express, who I. It was a strange that they were the ones to make the save with best friends, but I get why um, they need something to do at all out, and that's throw Jurassic yeah. Express in with best friends to make the save here, even the odds. Uh, just felt a little out of nowhere, but was what it was. Um, especially with Jurassic Express being in the main event, I thought it was really strange that they were the guys to make the save. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we're not going to get the match that we kind of were looking forward to. We we're definitely looking forward to. It will be announced that it'll be on Rampage next week, but Ak and Andrade El Idolo, due to travel issues, this match won't be happening at all out. So the women's, you know, Battle Royale moves to the main card, and in their 
buy-in. We'll see Best Friends and Jurassic Express taking on the HFO. Uh, so it all kind of ties together. doesn't tie together as smooth as one would like, but that's where, what we had. That's what we're, and that's where we're at now. Yeah, then they, yeah, and that's what happens. They run them off. We go to a video package uh, with Miro and Eddie Kingston, where they're just putting hype on their match coming up at All Out. Uh, we'd alluded to this on the last episode that would have liked to see them in the ring on Dynamite or Rampage. We didn't get it on Dynamite. We'll see if we get it on Rampage. Um, and then a John Moxley video package for his match with Kojima. So there's a little bit of back-to-back video packages here. Um, I might have my notes backwards there because I thought Jericho and JR were in the ring. Nice and Moxley was after that. But we'll just jump to Jericho and JR in the ring uh, with a nice little callback by uh, by Jericho to his Chicago debut for WWE in August of 1999, um, August 9th, I believe. This whole promo seemed to choke up uh, both men, really, JR and Jericho. A lot of emotion in the ring, knowing that Sunday could possibly be Chris Jericho's last wrestling match in AEW um, as as a worker. He loses to MJF. He says he is going to the commentary table, so... It's more of this AEW booking where it looks like, you know, there's a sure thing that's going to happen or not going to happen, and we're so conditioned from previous wrestling to believe one thing is going to happen. This isn't like a swerve for swerve sake type of deal. This is legitimately, okay, Jericho can win. Yeah, that's the obvious choice. He continues to wrestle, but there's a real chance where Jericho does not win and we don't see Jericho Russell in AEW again. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a fantastic promo. Um, and it was, it's cool to see JR uh, in the ring twice. It doesn't happen very often, so uh, you, know, you get that little vibe there. Um, yeah, you know how important it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely was. Uh, let me go to a little Darby Punk video package. Typing that up, uh, you know, always their video packages have ca- gotten so much better. All, all of them deliver, so real good job there. Um, and, and we're only one hour in. So this, I have this note here because all of this that we talked about, yeah, we've gone through it about 20 minutes of the, of this podcast. That was maybe the most impressive hour of wrestling television I've ever seen. They got four or five storylines over. They had, Three matches, two matches, two matches, two matches, one of which was very, very good. Uh, the other one was okay, but they got so much in. Two matches and two big in-ring promos. Yes, with Punk and Jericho. Backstage promo with MJF. So they really front-loaded a lot of promo time uh, in the in the first hour, but not only did they front-load those three big promos, they had that great match on top of that with Proud and Powerful and FTR to open the show. So very, uh, I thought, very well done first hour of Dynamite. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, we come back and kick it off hour two with with Brian Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs 
A lot of there's a, there's a rivalry here as well, much like FTR and uh, Proud and Powerful, Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs, and the whole Team Taz thing with Cage. I mean, this has been a long time building to get to this matchup. Cage doesn't want to wait very long. He attacks Hobbs for the bell. Those guys were working really really hard, but the crowd, I think, after having that awesome opener with FTR, Proud and Powerful, then you had a Punk promo. You had a Jericho promo. I mean, all the things that have the, the crowd most engaged during an AEW show, the singing of Judas, popping hard for Punk, a hell of a match. You already had star power out there with Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. I mean, they've got – and Darby Allen's been seen on TV. I mean, you've seen a lot of their stars, and now you're getting Cage and Hobbs, and they just weren't biting for it. I liken this to go back to Revolution 2020, where the Bucks and Kenny and Hangman – have this amazing tag team match, and then Statlander and Nyla Rose have to follow that. It's one of those follow that type of moments. And mm. the first hour, we just were on cloud nine, and we got to come down a little bit. And unfortunately, I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. They didn't do a bad job. Not at all. It's, it's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, yeah. But Power Hobbs will uh, wind up picking. Picking up the victory over Brian Cage in this match with a little help from uh, your boy Ricky Starks. Yeah, yeah. Cook jumps up on the apron for the distraction, uh, gets the ref's attention, and then Ricky Starks blasts Cage in the face with the FTW championship, which allows Hobbs to scoop up the win. So more to come with this rivalry uh, as Brian Cage continues to battle with Team Taz. But yeah, like you said, the match was fine. It just. The crowd was dead, and uh, I don't think it's any fault of the workers at all because those guys put they put work in. They were working their ass off. Um, we go to a, a Malachi Black promo where he acknowledges uh, Shoddy Lee John, Big Shoddy Lee Johnson, um, how they're going to square off on Rampage. Black threatening, just very again very menacing and uh, visceral with these promos, uh, video packages that they have him doing. I'm all, I'm a mouth for it. I love it. Yeah, he's just ripping through the Nightmare family right now. So, continues there. Indeed. And then we go to QT and the Factory. Why am I drawing a blank on their name? Is that what they're called? The Factory, yeah. Okay. Um, so, he calls out Paul White. Uh, Paul White hits the ring. He gets beats the hell out of uh, pretty much everybody. Clean towels, QT powders. Felt like QT might have powdered too soon, but it, he. We'll find out it wasn't too soon. Uh, as he gets a chair, goes to get in the ring. Gun Club had come out uh, after Big Paul White had cleaned house. I think they knocked a couple guys off the apron, but Billy steals the chair away from QT. Slowly sneaks behind Paul White, blasts him in the hip with the chair, um, and it was, but. Big big reaction from the crowd that nobody saw it coming with the gun club turning heel. Um, it was really strange, though, how quickly Excalibur, who praised the gun club a week ago on commentary, just went, oh, Austin Gunn's just a scumbag. Cold. It's like, they didn't do anything. Their dad smashed a dude in the hip with a chair. Like, they just stood there, and he quickly flipped his uh, script on those guys who didn't care for too much. And then at the same time, you got Green Talent, Austin Colton, and after his, after Papa Gun smashes uh, old Paul in the the hip, 
they you know they're scowling all of a sudden and they're they're trying to put their heel faces on and sometimes you got to let these face and these heel turns happen organically you can't force them and i feels like they were forcing gun club there uh a little bit it was more i mean this like pretty surprising to see the gun club go heel i mean they have been the baby face of baby faces throughout the pandemic you know whether it be on dark elevation or even on dynamite once in a while but they're always, you know, in the crowd for those pandemic shows, always making a ton of noise. So to see them go heel was kind of shocking. I mean, the crowd itself acted about it. Uh, my one mental note I had was Colton and Austin in those black joggers. They look like AEW's version of the Usos light. Oh, um, see that? Papa be- Bill instead of Papa Quiche. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see those those two young guys work heel. Um, because, like I said last week, we were talking about Austin Gunn in that six-man tag and how good he looked and how on fire he was as a baby face. So, really strange. <laughs> really strange timing for it. Uh, but after they laid out old Paul, uh, QT in the factory pick up the scraps and he gets the assisted uh, diamond cutter to lay Paul White out flat. I mean, you needed to get you needed to get heat on Paul White uh, going into the match. You needed to make QT look like a threat. Um, I think this. I think that's the logic behind it is that we need someone else to help QT turn the tide. And who, who's friends with Paul White? Oh, Billy Gunn and him have a long story. Let's have Billy Gunn turn on them. Maybe I, I personally didn't have a problem with Billy Gunn doing it. I wouldn't have had the kids out there. I wouldn't have turned the kids. Because you could have did something along the lines with Billy saying why he did it and trying to teach the kids and the kids thinking it's wrong type of deal and could have really built the kids up out of this. But felt forced. Not not all for it. Um, but it's got heat on, on old Paul there. Or on QT there, sorry. Yeah, see. Oh, bad answers on that whether it be Sunday or next week on either Dynamite or Rampage so should hear from Billy Gunn and the, the boys uh, it was interesting that like just turned on him and didn't <laughs> join up with like, the factory or QT you know what I mean like right. you would have thought maybe there was be something there but no it was just a turn and walk away and like you said QT in the factory picks up the scraps so we go backstage we got Britt Baker, uh, big announcement. She announces Rebel and Jamie Hayter into the Casino Battle Royale. Um, I think it's the Casino Royale Battle Royal. I think I wrote that wrong, but whatever. Uh, Britt Baker announces a big free agent signing, which was herself re-signing with AEW, and she gets the authority with her new contract to make a match. So she makes Rebel and Jamie Hayter against Chris Statlander for Rampage. Yep, I mean, this is just Britt trying to get a little heat on her. It's it's hard for her to get heat right now as uh, she just keeps steamrolling as the AEW Women's Champion. Little segment here just to set up Friday night on Rampage and uh, build towards that women's title match Sunday at All Out. Absolutely. And then we go to the ring for a women's match, which is Penelope Ford taking on Ty Conti. Uh, 
And the thing that surprised me the most of this match is how small Penelope Ford looked compared to Ty Conti. Because Ty Conti, she's very tiny herself. And I was, I was like, wow, Penelope Ford, I couldn't think, I, she didn't seem like she was very small, like, tiny, tiny. I mean, but I don't know why. That just stood out to me. That, she's size. And, uh, yeah, Penelope Ford actually working in collaboration with the Bunny now after yes. they a little bit last week. Uh, Ty Conti does pick up the victory here. This match mostly here to promote that Casino Battle Royale come Sunday, uh, where the winner will take on whomever the AEW Women's Champion will be after Statlander and Britt Baker square off that all out. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an alright little match. Uh, Ty Conti was definitely more over than she was, uh, on Rampage. Uh, so we're starting to see, you know, her kind of get back into her groove. She gets a flash pin, uh, Bunny and Penelope Ford attacking Ty Conti and we get the return of Anna Jay who makes the save. And we get the announcement that she's in the Casino Royal Battle Royal as well. That was the biggest part of this match was the return of Anna Jay. She comes back, realigns herself with Ty Conti, and something that we really didn't see a lot uh, has just been kind of off in the background for the past couple of weeks um, is the Dark Order and the dissension there. And I mean, there's been a lot of pre-tape or backstage stuff with them. So now Anna Jay's back. She was a big part of the Dark Order before she was injured. Ty Conti kept her uh, uh, her relationship with the Dark Order open during that whole time. So, again, more speculation, more wondering what's going to happen when it comes with the Dark Order. Now we have another main ingredient of the Dark Order, Anna and Jay coming back. So should be interesting to see what actually happens with these guys and gals in the Dark Order. Agreed. And then we go backstage to a pre-tape with Thunder Rosa and, uh, well, I didn't write the guy's name down. Anyway, Thunder Rosa's back there with Jay Cargill, uh, Smart Mark Sterling, and then you got Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero. Um, get a little hype, more hype on the Battle Royals. Very awkward segment. I mean, it did serve a purpose. It was very, very awkward. Uh, they try to break up a stare down between Jade and Nyla after they lay out, uh, Thunder Rosa, but I don't know what was off about this, but something was off. And the fact that it was a pre-tape felt like they could have reshot it, made it better. I don't know. Maybe you have yeah. a different viewpoint of it. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but there was, uh, a level of awkwardness as to, like, we have these ideas and how do we end it? Hopefully the greatest of endings, I would say. Yeah. But, again, establishes Jade, establishes Nyla as heels. Thunder Rosa gets takes uh, the, the beating. We all know Thunder Rosa superly over here in AEW. And just more hype as we lead into the Battle Royale come all out. And now especially, you see, I don't know how many segments on this show had to deal with the Battle Royale. Getting pushed heavily now that it's on the main card. Yeah, yeah, they basically had a, a good 15 to 20 minute block of TV dedicated there all in a row with Britt, the match, then the backstage. Then we go into the rundowns, uh, for, for Rampage and All Out. Um, 
I don't have the notes on what all was run down. I just wrote the word run down. Well, I can so, tell you what for Rampage was going to be. You want to do that real quick? We, if you want to. Real quick, Matt Black's going to wrestle Big Shoddy. Uh, we have that two-on-one handicap match with Jamie Hayter and Rebel with Dr. Britt Baker taking on Chris Statlander. And we'll also see Daniel Garcia, along with 2.0, take on Darby Allen with Sting. And we know the all-out card. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Here we talk about Rampage, because we'll give you our predictions on what is actually, what we think may or may not happen at All Out. Absolutely. And then we go to our main event, eight-man tag team matchup for Dynamite here, as you had the Elite, represented with the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers, as they take on the number one contenders in the Lucha Brothers and the Jurassic Express. Um, I put this match is the literal definition of total nonstop action. This was just so much happened. Everyone hit their spots. I, I couldn't even keep up taking notes. I mean, it was, there was nothing but fluid motion in this matchup. I don't think any, I don't think there was one moment where there wasn't something happening. Well, I'm glad you took notes because this, this is where I, Sleep on dynamite, not to the, uh, not because of dynamite, because of my own personal work schedule. So I actually haven't even got to see this match yet. I have to go back and watch this match. I do know that the elite pick up the victory in this, get the W, and I see that even, uh, big old Uncle Dave gave it four and a quarter, uh, snowflakes. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch this match. Um, but, yeah, that surprises me to hear, but I, at the same time, it doesn't because it's the Young Bucks and you say total nonstop action. Well, I mean, three out of these four tag teams, I was assuming that we would get total nonstop action. <laughs> and tag team that wouldn't give that action would definitely be in there as uh, big nasty heels and you know pretty much bases for these uh, smaller guys and Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm not saying it was, uh, it was, it was a fun match. Don't get me wrong there, but I, there was no story told in the match. There's no context to it. It was just move after move after move after move after move. Great athleticism displayed. The finish on Phoenix, maybe this gives them the extra snowflake with the, was a Meltzer driver. Thought it was strange they pinned Ray Phoenix pretty clean off the Meltzer driver. Kenny Omega comes out with Nakazawa. Kenny oh. has like, I mean, you, you know, the story wasn't even this match. The story was, as you're getting into, was all post-match, where yes. Kenny, Akazawa, Callis come down and go ahead and lead us in. I did see this because uh did wake back up. <laughs> <laughs> so Kenny was pretty – at first, I'm like, he's got just jet black hair, but it looks like there's either some purple or blue in there or some other color. Maybe he used the blue-black dye when he, when he dyed it. Um, he cuts a promo. They start beating the hell out of, uh, the Lucha Brothers and Jurassic Express. Christian comes out, try to make the save. They shut him down. They bring the cage down, um, to continue this, this beatdown. If they get, get, uh, get the Jungle Express, there I go again. Jurassic Express gets knocked out of the ring. They leave the Lucha Brothers and Christian inside the cage with the entire elite while they beat the hell out of them. Uh, Brandon Cutler shines here out of everybody uh, as far as getting people off the cage, spraying them like bugs. 
uh, right in the eyes. I love it, especially with Marco, because it looked like a little, like, spider crawling off the cage, and then Cutler spraying him, and he's flailing. Uh, I thought that was, I actually chuckled at that. Never thought I would be entertained by Brandon Cutler and Marco Stunt at the same time, but they got me there. Um, very good little spot, very good heat. Beat down on Christian, they had the Lucha Brothers cuff. Nick Jackson's doing shuttle super kicks back and forth to each of them. Devastating. Kenny comes down. I mean, this was a lot of heat to end the show. I thought this was a great visual ending to Dynamite. We talked about last week's Dynamite ending flat. This is how you end a te- television show. Right. This is how you end a television show, but it was still awkwardly ended. There wasn't like a grand finale or anything. Kenny Omega is still on the microphone as we were about two minutes over 10 o'clock and the beatings were continuing as Dynamite went off the air. Oh, see, mine mine had a conclusion. My Kenny Kenny said, I'll see you Sunday, and that, that was it. Like, it, it, it ended, ended, ended. Yeah, it faded to black as he was saying that, but it was like the fade was already starting as he's like, we'll see you Sunday. <laughs> I, I liked it. I thought that was good. And, and, and uh, you know my stance on the Bucks and Kenny and them. And Devor was really a fan. Kenny has I've turned the corner on uh, with his with his persona, and he's putting the best work of his career in, in my opinion. But that was dynamite. Why well, wait any longer before we hop into old Rampage here? Yeah. Ra- Rampage uh, opens with Alistair Black making an entrance, um, which is always cool. <laughs> As only he does, yeah, great. And uh, just massive presence out of black. This guy's a star. Big shot, he comes out, does a great job here of showing that he is a little bit nervous, realizes he's been off Morgan's shoe, but he's he's focused and he's going to bring a fight. Like, it reminded me a lot of times you see, like, a, a college football quarterback in, like, a big game where he's got those nerves. He realizes that this is the moment, biggest opportunity of his lifetime, and he's got to go out there and do it. And that's kind of... What Shoddy Lee reminded me of. Uh, but they had a very nice methodical open. Alistair Black just stalking him down. Good little spots in. Uh, Shoddy got a little bit in after, uh, I think they went to a PIP in this match. Uh, Shoddy getting some stuff in. And then it was all ended when uh, he was sitting there and Black ran and kicked him square in the face. Very devastating after that counter sequence. Black then throws him in a corner, uses him as a striking bag. Some target practice, if you will. Um... Thought it was strange he brought a chair in the ring, but it all just built to his aura for the the black mask kick for the finish. And the dude is a star when he just stood there after doing everything he does. You can't take his eyes off of him. Dustin comes out, much like I had talked about last week's show, where I wish it was Dustin, not Shadi Lee. We get Dustin here. Close running steps. black off. <laughs> up that nightmare family ladder. Definitely, definitely there. Do you have any comments on the match? Well, the match was what it was. It was there to be a vehicle for Malachi Black and continue this uh, feud with the Nightmare family. Lee Johnson gets a little bit of shine here, um, gets put on AEW Rampage, the highest-rated show on Friday night. So he gets a little bit of exposure, and Malachi Black does what he does, steamrolls and continues moving forward, uh, taking out the Nightmare family. After a commercial break, we come backstage with Mark Henry and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Dustin calls out Black for a matchup on Dynamite. Very good fiery babyface promo from Dustin. 
talking about Black, Malachi Black likes the darkness, and so does he. And just, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for that matchup. Should be a good one. Yeah, and Mark Henry, to his credit, is slowly sliding into his interviewer role. Um, he, <laughs> on commentary during matches, he randomly adds these weird drops here and there, and it's like, that can be worked on, but his his interviewing role is he's stepping it up and he's he's progressing. Yeah, he does a good job in the interviews. He asks uh, different perspective type of questions, totally different type of style than like Shivani or is it Alex Marvez? Alex. Alex. God, why did I why can't I get that guy's name right? Marvez and Shivani have their own unique style, but Mark Henry's bringing a different perspective to the backstage interviewer role as that former wrestler, well known guy and. You don't really see that too often in pro wrestling where it's an ex-star doing interviews. And I like that Mark Henry is is kind of embracing that role. Oh, not since the days of Doc Hendricks, I believe. <laughs> exactly. But he wasn't acknowledged as his Michael P.S. Hayes. He was Doc Hendricks' interviewer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we then go to an entrance for Miro. So we're going to get Miro on... Rampage, thankfully, he's out here. He cuts a little promo, brings out Eddie Kingston, cutting a, a promo. A um, lot of religious ties here, which is very interesting to see on a wrestling program. Um, but it led to them having a nice little, I don't know if you want to call us a brawl around, but Eddie really putting over the moves that he has are the chink in the armor of Miro. Thanks uh, a few. The neck. The spinning back fist, which we see Eddie hit here uh, in this segment. Yeah. Yeah. He names all the moves that he does, which are going to target the neck of Miro. Hits the spinning back to point, the DDT. It was a good little spot where Miro calls him in. He powders out, goes to run around the ring, uh, and then stops to taunt the crowd and hold his belt up. And Redeemer, God, He's acknowledging him, and then Eddie runs around the ring, tries to blindside him. Miro is ready, smashed him with the belt, and then they went in the ring, hit the back fist, the DDT, where Eddie laid him out. So, nice little segment. Would have liked to see some more back and forth on the mic between these two to build this matchup, but here we are. We're going into uh, all out with uh, this is the last last impression. Yeah, uh, should be a good match. Should be extremely physical. One I'm yes. looking forward to seeing. Definitely. Uh, Britt Baker coming out next with Jamie Hayter and Rebel. Um, they take on Chris Statlander. Here's her handicap match. I got. I don't have very many notes uh, on Rampage, but on this match, I thought the lockup with Statlander and Jamie Hayter was excellent. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good lockup spot and a good work in the lockup. Uh, fundamentals. Lockup talk we've gotten out of you. <laughs> but this, hey. I mentioned a couple weeks ago about Bobby Eaton. I said, hey, he's a guy to study when you're going to do your lockups. And this here's another good lockup. Collar and elbow tie-up, Chris Antlander and Jamie Hayter. It's fundamentals. But they build intensity off of it. And this, you can get a lot out of a collar and elbow tie-up. And they got a lot out of it here. Built an intensity up. They sucked the fans into their match. And I thought this was a pretty good match. A couple really nice spots to showcase Chris Antlander. She had Rebel on her shoulders and caught. Uh, Jamie Hader going for high cross body, dumped them both, and then had a nice submission win uh, over uh, Rebel there as Jamie Hader and Britt Baker watching the floor. Yeah. It, I don't even know what you call that submission. 
don't know. It was it's it was awkward. it's kind of an awkward setup to it, but once it was on, it was a, a pretty visually uh, stunning submission. But yeah, you need long arms to be able to do it. I'm not mistaken here. There's some uh, post match shenanigans as well, right? Uh, somebody come down to stir things up. Yes. Yeah, I didn't have the notes on that, but yeah, there was some post match attack. Baker and Hater hit the ring after Statlander's win, and then Red Velvet made the save. Yeah, the reason I remember that was because smattering of booze for Red Velvet coming out of the Now Arena in Chicago as she made the save. Um, this match, like you said, it's establishing Chris Statlander as the, the contender to the title. Um, putting her power and strength over and her wrestling ability. So building on that and heading towards All Out, um, the beatdown afterwards, we get a call back with Red Velvet making the save because of her history with Dr. Britt Baker. And like I said, we've talked about Britt Baker and how basically they want to push her as this heel, but she is so over as a babyface that, her being so over as a babyface, anybody going up against her is automatically at a disadvantage. Um, and we saw that with the booing of Red Velvet as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that goes the, back to the Pittsburgh show. Red Velvet cut a heel promo and turned herself heel. And, and it, it, it said, can't force these face and heel turns. You have to let things happen organically. And we're in a weird phase of AEW. Yeah, I uh, so quick, I, like the smattering of booze for Red Velvet, I don't believe it's like it's not like a. It's definitely not because she's a heel per se, but it's it's, yeah. it's almost reminiscent of like some X Pac type heat where they just boo to boo. I can see that. She was very over though at the Empower uh, show, with her and yeah. Kylan King as a tag team representing AEW in the women's tag team tournament. Red Velvet was pretty over. They did kind of take a heel roll uh, against uh, Allison Kay and Marty Bell the Hex in that finals match. They did work a little bit more on the heel side than um, I was anticipating with the other two, but they were still cheered, and it was very. They were, you know, she was very over there. So St. Louis, Chicago, different type of fan, I suppose. NWA, AEW, who knows? <laughs> oh, Britt Baker. Britt Baker effect, yeah, that's that's, that's true. The Britt Baker effect is there as well. Um, then we go to a bat, like I don't know if you would call us a backstage. I guess it's a pre-tape earlier today type of deal with John Moxley and Kojima having a press conference. That yeah. we don't see anything of a press conference. We see Moxley flip a table and then start brawling. Uh, would have been cool to see a little bit of a press conference out of here, but I mean, this was yeah. thirty seconds. Of TV. Yeah, this is definitely just tossed in to try to throw, sprinkle a little gas on this to start a fire with this uh, match between Moxley and Kojima since we've only known about it for what a week now, if that. Yeah. So no, no real build. The build here, the the draw is we get Kojima coming over from Japan and New Japan and working in a ring with you know AEW's arguably top talent, John Moxley. Yeah, is what it it is, and and then we go to uh, a rundown for All Out, 
which we'll go through here after we talk Rampage. But uh, we got a nice little split screen Mark Henry promo with Daniel Garcia in 2.0 and Darby Allen and Sting on the other side. Thought this was a decent little split screen. Not the best they've had, not the worst. 2.0 does a great job. Daniel Garcia says his piece. Darby does it really good. He brings his, his intensity, so we're ready for the match. Mark Henry gets his little catchphrase in, um, which I totally forgot, but he's ready for the main event, and he's uh-huh. excited. <laughs> but we get Daniel Garcia and um, Darby Allen for the main event. Punk comes out for commentary. I put here, I was questioning when Punk was coming out for, te- for commentary, if this was live or if this part was taped. Because Jericho, they show him sitting at the table, and the word live was no longer on the screen as it was for the earlier stuff. And Jericho had a Fozzie show in Joliet, Illinois, last night uh, that I saw them say Rich Ward wasn't going to be at when they posted it. So, like, did they tape this match Wednesday? Did they maybe tape it earlier and then air it as if it was live as the main event? I don't know. I thought it was strange. I didn't even think about that until I saw Jericho the first time. Yeah, uh... I think I listened to Jericho's podcast on Wednesday, and he was talking about the, the weekend of AEW shows and Fozzie shows, and I remember hearing they had that Fozzie show on Friday night. Um, didn't even think about it. It didn't even cross my mind when Rampage comes on and Jericho's at the booth. Yeah, didn't either until I saw him sitting there. And I'm like, That's the first time they showed the table, and uh thought that was interesting. But it was live. Maybe it was live to tape. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, and I think Jerry, they got a show tonight in Belvedere, Illinois. And then I'll be seeing them on the 16th in old Angola, Indiana there. But well, anyhow. About a stone's throw from Angola. <laughs> so I'll be, uh, I'll be heading there in a couple of weeks. Daniel Garcia and Darby Allen had a nice little match. I mean, they, these guys just wrestled a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite. Uh, Similar story, Daniel Garcia does a really good job of targeting uh, Darby Allen, trying to take him out. Uh, Darby worked the arm, and Daniel Garcia really did a great job of selling his arm throughout this match. Uh, Very old school with the way he sold it. Uh, You don't see a lot of young guys. I think Daniel Garcia is only like 23 years old. He's a young guy, and you don't see young guys selling the way he sold there, and I really appreciated that. It's a solid match. Um, Nothing really special jumps out. Darby wins with a flash pin, but... I don't have anything, any other notes. No, just, didn't that not lead up to, uh, was there anything afterwards? Yeah, there was a attack, um, you know, 2.0 and Sting, and there was a big brawl around, which then gets Punk to come up from the table, which Punk on commentary, he's trying to sell the pay-per-view, but it seemed like Jericho and Taz were just trying to crack jokes with Punk the whole time. It was really... Really weird match to listen to the commentary on because Punk was doing the right thing by trying to sell the match with Darby. There was a, a couple of moves where he was like, oh, I need to, what was that Excalibur? I need to like study that, be prepared for it. But, but there was a lot of moments where Taz and Jericho were just having a good old time with Punk out there, like old pals when they're not trying to do business. Um, but anyhow, you get Punk to get up. He hits the ring to make the save. But before he gets any physical, Darby ends up recovering and hitting the dive on one of the 2.0 guys. I don't remember which one. And you get a nice intense stare down again between Park and Punk and Darby to end Rampage. 
Yep, another episode of Rampage. That hour just flies by. They do try to jam as much as possible in that hour. Uh, just This was just our send home, our go home, build up to all out. Uh, and the last thing we see is Dr. B and Punk squaring off face to face, stare down, and which it'll be interesting to see where that matches on the card. I'm all out. Yeah, I mean, definitely the two biggest matches, especially with the way they've done the rundowns and the way they've kind of land dynamite with the championship, Omega Christian. They end Rampage with Punk and Allen. And then you have Jericho and MJF. So you really have like three main event singles matches. The Bucks and Lucha Brothers in a cage could main event any show as well. I mean, that's not obviously going to, but you've got possibly the most stacked pay-per-view card. And that's even though we we lost Pac and Andrade. Yeah, no Hangman Page, no Pac, no Andrade. Um, Orange Cassidy's on the pre-show, and this show is just as stacked as any uh, AEW show that we've seen. So do you want to do top three, bottom three now, or do the rundown with predictions? I don't even have top three, bottom three. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll think, go through my... Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll go through my, my bottom three. Uh, my number three was that backstage segment with Nyla Rose, uh, Jade Cargill, and Thunder Rosa. Um, that was the ending there. Yeah, I, I, my number two I did remove and put something else into the number two spot. My original number two was the Miro and Kingston just having a video package on Dynamite, but then they had the in-ring on Rampage, which is why I removed that. And plugged QT. I'll give you a quick. How about just 30 seconds of Moxley Kojima press conference to build this match? I mean, realistically, Moxley had uh, the backstage segment where he was basically complaining more so that it's not Tanahashi. And uh, that's all the build we had for this uh, upcoming match between Kojima and Moxley. Fair enough. I had the gun club turning heel as my number two that I reinserted. Went from four to two for some reason. But, uh Yeah. And like Billy Gunn turning heel, the whole gun club. And then my bottom, bottom thing is the Jack Evans-Orange Cassidy match. Zini is on my headphone cord, damn near pulling my head off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans match uh, was my worst thing of the week. Yeah, nothing really screamed terrible for me. Um, The gun club turning heel wasn't like wasn't bad it wasn't a a negative it was just more so the awkwardness of billy turning on yes a white and then the factory picking up the scraps like did the factory pay him off like why what was the reason um but i think think it was all purposeful i'm not saying my bottom three were terrible either i think these were just the three things that I liked the least, but they all did serve a purpose. They were all very purposeful. Yep. I don't have a problem with any of them. These were the my least favorite things. Top three things. Um, the the punk segment from Dynamite, the promo with, with JR. Uh, I thought that was very good, very well done. Um, and then the whole main event segment ending with Kenny 
and the Bucks in the cage with the Lucha Brothers and, and Christian. I like that ending. And then FTR, Proud and Powerful, is my number one. Yeah, I would I would lump Jericho and Punk in-ring promos together. That yeah, and that is... And then, yeah, most definitely Proud and Powerful versus FTR, uh, rounding out the top of the week. So, all right, time for predictions. All right, let's run this down. All out. All right. Tonight, September 5th, live from the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Let's run this card down. We'll go match by match. We'll give our predictions, what we think is going to happen, who's going to win, so on and so forth. So we'll start out here. First match in AEW, Paul White taking on QT Marshall. Who do you think? I think it's got to be a Paul White dominant three-minute win. I would think so, too. But now we have the Billy Gunn factor. Is Billy Gunn going to do something here? He has been made to look like basically an ass this whole feud. Do we get the surprise, you know, QT victory? Paul, everybody thinks Paul White's going to win. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if this is the time and place to try to swerve people with this match, but I, I think it's a Paul White win, dominant win, and then there could be some post match shenanigans. But it's just that lingering feeling in the back of my mind. I do. I agree with you. I believe Paul White picks up the victory, but just think about that. That it is a possibility there. Definitely, there's definitely a possibility. Next match on the main card is the Casino Battle Royale. Uh, winner will get a shot at the AEW Women's Championship. There's a lot of names in here. There's already 21 names. I don't believe there's going to be a surprise entrance. Oh, really? They already have the people announced. I thought there was like 11 people announced. Um, From what I am looking at, it looks like Emi Sakura, the bunny, Diamante, Rio, Hikaru Shida, Rebel, Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, Kiera Hogan, Big Swole, Ty Conti, Jamie Hayter, Kylan King, Layla Hirsch, Red Velvet, Anna Jay, Abaddon, Sky Blue, Jade Cargill, and Julia Hart. That rounds out 21 names. Now, if somebody isn't in- included, I can see... Quite possibly a surprise entrant for the Joker. If that is so, I would put my money on Ruby, the formerly known Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho now. Uh, Maybe she makes a debut here. But if not, who do you see out of all those names taking home the uh, Casino Battle Royale? Casino Royale Battle Royale. Uh, you named the 21 folks in it. Chance for Joker, who you mentioned, be who? Um, you were cutting out a little bit, but I think you asked me who I thought the Joker could possibly be if we don't get these 21 that I just named off. And I believe yes. it could be Ruby Riot, a.k.a. well, formerly known as Ruby Riot, now known as Ruby Soho. Um, be interesting to see if we get that or not. Yeah, definitely. With the 21 announced, 
I don't know who Sky Blue is. I could be just in the dark there. But uh, we shall see if we do get the surprise of Ruby Soho. Um, I feel like your final three would have to be Jade Cargill, Sheeta, and Thunder Rosa. Logic says Thunder Rosa wins here just because of the rivalry with Britt Baker. But I'm going to go with a curveball. I think we're going to get a run back with Sheeta and Britt Baker for the championship. Uh, similar to how, how Jungle Boy won the uh, men's battle royal in May. I think we're going to go with Sheeta here. Yeah, I could see the last four coming down to the three that you had just mentioned, Thunder Rosa, Hikaru Shida, and um, Jade Cargill. But I can also see Nyla being in there as well. Um, yeah. Like, logic does dictate that we would believe Thunder Rosa to pick up the, the victory here, but we could see Shida. I'm going to put my money on Thunder Rosa uh, just because I'm going to go with the logical uh, answer. <laughs> Uh, nothing wrong with that. I feel like those got to be like Thunder Roses who I think I would have wrote down and said, yep, Thunder Roses is a bank, but I could, I could see them holding off on that a little bit longer, but we're definitely getting Thunder Roses and Burt Baker here eventually. Uh, what's the next matchup? This next match I think is going to be really easy, really quick for us to, uh, determine who we think is going to win. It's Kojima versus Moxley. Let's just put it out there. Moxley's going to win this match. Yeah, agreed, 100%. Just a showcase here for both guys, realistically. Kojima winning would, wouldn't would really do anything since he's not a mainstay here in AEW. Moxley picks up the W against a veteran of New Japan, All Japan, uh, Pretty much a Hall of Famer in his own right is Satoshi Kojima, but I see Mox picking up the W here. Agreed. All right. Running down this card, the next match I see here is what they're calling the final fight. Chris Jericho taking on MJF. If Jericho loses, he is no longer a in-ring AEW competitor and will be hanging up the boots, hanging up the tights. Heading to commentary. I don't think Jericho loses this match. I I don't I still think he has some in the tank, and I don't think we get Jerry Lawler Chris Jericho. <laughs> I think we continue to see Chris Jericho wrestle. Um he does do commentary on Rampage right now. I think he continues to do so. But I don't think he's ready to completely hang him up. I'm with you there. Um, normally in these matches, I think I said it last week, like nine times out of ten, the guy who's putting his career on the line perseveres and comes through and wins. They've done a good job of building this one to, to put that shred of doubt into where it's like, this could be it for Jericho. MJF, you know, the story is there. If there's a guy to end his career, MJF makes. 100% logical sense to be that guy. Uh, the passing of the torch, if you will. Um, he, I was going to say, realistically, sorry, realistically, sorry to cut you off, there's more than a shred of doubt. Oh, there is a good. lot of doubt here. Oh, true. <laughs> true. Jericho, I'm with you. I think Jericho still has some in the tank. Yeah. Jericho's never beat MJF. MJF, oh, uh, just, he's always one, maybe two steps ahead of Jericho. So we'll see if he gets his comeuppance or if 
he gets the crowning achievement of putting Chris Jericho out of in-ring action. Next match on the card. Definitely. Next match on the card, the TNT title match, where Miro will defend against Eddie Kingston. Who you got in this one? I don't know who the guy goes with Miro. I think this is a, a, a showcase win for, for him. Um, Eddie, either way, I mean, when he he's a better challenger than he is a champion, and I, I think Miro has more to gain by going over. Yeah, I got Miro uh, picking up the W in this match. Eddie Kingston, um, there's going to be a time when he gets, uh, gets a title. There's going to be a time he probably will be TNT champion but it's not going to be right now. Miro on a hot streak, destroying people. I don't think God's favorite champion becomes just God's favorite wrestler. He stays God's favorite champion. Yeah, I'm with you. Moving on to the AEW Women's World Title match, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Jamie Hayter and Rebel, will be taking on challenger Chris Statlander. Again, I... This is another one where I think we both will agree this is easy to pick. Dr. Britt Baker retains her title and heads on into full gear wherever that will be, whenever that will be. Heat! Well, <laughs> my weekend of November, but I digress. I got Britt Baker retained. Yeah, it's hard to hard to bet against Britt Baker coming out here with the championship. Uh, I, I think they'll do a good enough job in this match to where uh, Britt Baker's definitely on the ropes and Chris Statlander has a chance to win it. And I'm looking forward to this match. This has a chance to be uh, – it's a stacked, stacked card. This is a match that's, like, so far under the radar that this could be, like, that that sneaky match-of-the-night candidate. Um, and, and I think both both women are – Still relatively a little bit green. They're still discovering who they are, but this is just so far under the radar, radar compared to everything else. This one could, could kind of steal the undercard of the show, no doubt about it. Yeah, a match that quite possibly could just steal this whole pay-per-view is the AEW World Tag Team title match. Inside the confines of a steel cage, the Young Bucks defend their t- championships against the Lucha Brothers, Penta El Zero Miedo and Ray Phoenix. Yeah, I, I think it's uh I think it's a Young Bucks match to 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 lose. Like the Young Bucks should win this matchup, I think. Uh however it would not surprise me if if the Lucha Brothers did get the titles. I mean this match took place two years ago in a ladder match, if I'm not mistaken, at, at all out. Um at all in, weren't they all in the same match as well? Were, were they not? No, at all in it was. I had to look this oh, up. It was Penta and, and Omega. Phoenix was in the match with the Young Bucks, right? Phoenix, Bandito, and Rey Mysterio. Yes, uh, the Bucks and Kota Ibushi. That's right. Yeah, so I mean, the Phoenix and the Bucks have been all over these uh, all in all out shows um, in Chicago. There, a lot of history in that building. So it could be a it could be a title switch, but I think the Young Bucks find a way to win. It will be interesting to see how they. These two teams work inside of a cage uh, because a lot of their offense is so derived around high flying and dives and and Phoenix, you know, is going to do some wild shit. Nick Jackson's going to do some wild shit. So they've got a cage in play to do something insane. But uh, 
it, there's it, no it's, higher place to hit a dive off of than the top <laughs> of that gate. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how they get there, what they do. Looking forward to the match, um, no doubt about it. But I feel like the I gotta I gotta lean Bucks here. I, my gut tells me Bucks, but there's just some hankering feeling that tells me, you know, we got this steel cage element because of all the outside interference. Now there's not going to be able to have uh, outside interference on the Bucks' behalf. I think the we might get. Uh, I'm going to go with the title switch change here. Okay. The loop pro taking the the tag team titles away from the Bucks. All right, and that that leads us to the AEW World Title match, where Kenny Omega with Don Callis will defend the AEW World Title against Impact Champion and the man that penned Kenny Omega just two weeks ago, Christian Cage. I think it's Kenny Omega's going over in this one. Cage beat him last week. The whole story. And Kate, I, I would be far more surprised if Christian Cage won the championship. I feel like this is just a match. Uh, the whole feud was designed around Kenny and Hangman Page, then switched to Christian being the next guy. Christian looking to, to give that rub to Kenny Omega. Um, not that he really needs it in a sense, but this should be a very good match. Um Especially considering Kenny beat Pac and, and Orange Cassidy at double or nothing. This is a, a big step up to a threat to the championship, but I feel like he's just keeping it warm for Hangman Page to, to get that title shot at, at Kenny in the future. Yeah, at Kenny retaining over Christian and not, not too much more to, to add to it. You've said pretty much all of it. Uh, Christian took, got the W and the Impact title a few weeks ago, which Gives you that gut feeling. Well, he's beat him once. He can do it again. But in all reality, I don't see Kenny Omega dropping the AEW World Title. Not at all out. No, but I, I now that I think about it, I think the Lucha Brothers are going to win the tag belts for some <laughs> no, reason. Set in stone. <laughs> all right. You just just the thought of the way Dynamite ended with your point. I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're all right because like they're not going to have Kenny and the Bucks. Both win with that ending to Dynamite. One of those. Well, the thing is, up. I feel the Bucks out of all the title matches, the Bucks are the champs that don't have to have the title as much yeah. as all other uh, champions do. So, I agree. I can see them being pissy, whiny shitheads moving forward without their tag team titles and whining and crying to try to get them back. I agree. Uh, no, I'm with. I'm with you. But moving on to. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Don't go, go <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me either way. That's that's probably the toughest match on the whole show, but I think we only got one more to go, right? Yeah, well, I, you know, you say that might be the toughest match. This might be the toughest match. What uh, could quite possibly close this show out, the singles match, I think everybody has wanted and never thought we would ever get. Hell, we never thought this, one of these guys would ever be seen in a wrestling ring again. Darby Allen takes on the returning CM Punk in his first match, in first wrestling match in seven and a half years. Let's see if he can uh, stop his, what is it, two-fight two losing streak yeah. uh, against Darby Allen. CM Punk back in a, in a wrestling ring in Chicago. I, it's hard for me to say if this is going to be the main event. This is such a hyped match, such a match everybody wants to see. 
but it seems as AEW takes the quote unquote unwritten wrestling rule of your world title always goes on last because it is the most important thing to your promotion. Uh, so it'll be interesting just to even see how this card is lined up uh, match wise. Uh, but CM Punk, Darby Allen, let's get right to it. Um, it is, it is, this might be tougher than the Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks. I could see either guy winning. I feel like the rub will go to Darby Allen, be a huge rub, a lot of reasons for Punk, but I think Punk would lose a lot of steam from a marketing perspective if he, if he loses to Punk. I mean, it's not going to hurt him too, too bad, but he's still fresh. Fans are in Chicago. They're going to want to see him win. He's still new to this, this new TV audience. I think if Darby beats him, yeah, it's passing the torch. It's a nice little rub. Punk has all the excuses and stuff, but it, it to me, it's like, okay, well, this guy just lost. Now you're going to put a product amount on Dynamite. What's he going to do? Like that that mystique and that aura factor about him that if he can still go, you lose it if he loses his first match back. I think Punk has to win based off of the business side of pro wrestling perspective. It's better for Punk to win and Darby beat him six months down the road in a rematch than it is if Darby beats him now. Uh, I think you just lose that with Punk. That's my opinion. Uh, I can see it going either way. I, yeah. You know, Darby, Darby beats Punk. We get a Punk that is still questioning himself. And then we get a, you, you know, you get the Punk storyline of building himself back up, maybe taking on too much in his first match back and not, uh, not really knowing if he was ready or not and having to build and build and build and continue to grow uh, as a performer here in AEW and work his way up the ladder and not just being placed on the top rung, you know, one of the top three rungs uh, as he walks into the company. So with that being said, again, that's that little seed of doubt. Sure. But the smart money goes on CM Punk, and that's who I put my uh, my money behind. Yeah, I thought you broke that down perfectly. That's exactly – there's so many options you can do here with this match. Um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like it's you got to go Punk. The smarter booking decision to me is, is Punk. But I wouldn't be shocked to see Allen win. I also wouldn't be shocked to see Man of the Year attack post-match. Sting try to make a save. They shut him down, and then you get the, the Brian Danielson run in and oh, him and that, with the best in the world type of thing. Right. Uh you know, besides all these matches on these on this card, we also have some surprise elements, quite possibly some debuts that could happen. Um, do you, so, do you think we get a Daniel Bryan debut? Do you think maybe Adam Cole shows up? Who knows? Does yeah, it, or so many things. They they don't need it at all. That's for sure. They do not need it at all for the surprise on this show, but. They could do it. There's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of talent out there still to unsign, but you don't know what they're going to do. And AEW's roster, I heard Tony Khan recently say he's trying for that 97 WCW roster. And, I mean, a lot of guys got lost in the shuffle in 97 and WCW, um, but it was stacked and loaded and so much star power. So I get why he's going for it, um, but we'll we'll see. We will see what happens out of all of this. Right. I can't wait for Sunday night and sometime Monday, may, sometime Monday, maybe Tuesday night. 
me and you will get back together and discuss the fallout of All Out. Yes. Get ready for Dynamite and Rampage next week. Yeah, it would either be late, later Monday or Tuesday after, well, anytime Tuesday for me, but yeah, as we just kind of book our, our next, uh, meetup here right live for you folks. Uh, but we appreciate you listening. This did, uh, with the rundown of All Out. Uh, our predictions are, is making this run a little lengthy, uh, but overall, we were happy to to share our analysis and opinions for you. Can't thank you enough for listening, and um, send us your all-out predictions. You got our social medias right there on the, the little thumbnail as well, so take care, and have a good night, everyone. You got any closing words? No, take care and spike your hair. All right. I love it. <laughs> all right, bye, everyone.